0: Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories in real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 28. A time to be birthed, a time to be adopted. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in Unbroken Jars of Clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man, that's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories. Their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Jason Forrester is joining us today on the Unbroken Jars podcast, and and I got to know Jason uh, several years ago when he and his wife, Jeannie, moved to Huntsville, um, and honestly, I don't even really know how we met. I, I do remember uh, going to to lunch with Randy's son, John Fowler, and I think there were a group of us that kind of went to lunch, and I met Jason, and, and then Jason started going on ski trips with us, and then... Um, that's really when I got to know him better. And I know that over the years that, um, um, we've, we, we've gotten, I guess, closer. Uh, uh, I feel like I've gotten closer to Jason. I don't know if Jason gets close to people, but, um, <laughs> uh, um, we, during this time of year, we, we, Jason's got a really unique story and I, and, and a journey through his life. And we thought this time of year would be a great time to bring him on. But I, um, I really appreciate your time, Jason, you being willing to join us. And, uh, I'm glad you're here.
1: Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Glad to be here.
2: And I, I can't, and I don't remember our, I think my main connection Jason with you is through Jonathan maybe. And then, uh, maybe y'all were here for a little while and maybe connected somehow with, I don't know, the 640 group. I can't remember all that. It all runs yeah. together now, but, um, it's great to, even though we can't see you right now, it's great to hear your voice again, and uh, we're really looking forward to hearing your story today.
0: Yeah, for those listening to understand Jason, it, you might be able to tell a little bit of difference. We've got him calling in from, from Charlotte, North Carolina. So.
2: Yeah. Hey, Jason, so, I mean, we know you a little, but the folks listening in, you know, may not know you at all, and so usually when we start off this podcast, we ask folks to kind of let us understand a little bit about your growing up. Maybe tell us about your early life, you could, where you were raised, your family, and maybe even talk a little bit about the importance God and faith was in your early life.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, thanks again for, for having me on and, and letting me talk a little bit about the the kind of the journey through through life. Um yeah, and and Doug to answer your question, I, I do get close to th- closer to people i I do consider us closer yeah so i um, think so so yeah you're you're correct there um you know really when i'll I'll talk a little bit about later but you know the the time in huntsville for us was was kind of a really pivotal time for Jeannie and i um just as young and and married and all that so I'll, i'll talk about that a little bit but um you know so i i was born in auburn alabama um I, that's right. You know, it's, (laughs) it's just in my blood and I can't help it. Um, and, and, um, you know, was born into a, you know, pretty conservative family. Um, great parents, um, um, have an older sister who's about, um, two and a half years older than me. Um, and, you know, we lived in Auburn basically, my whole life. Um, I, every school I ever went to, like from preschool through college, you know, is in like a four mile radius, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, and, and faith and church and, and all that was really a, a big part of our lives. Um, you know, my parents were very involved. My dad is originally from Huntsville. Uh, really? grew up in Huntsville. Yeah. I went to Madison Academy, I was um, kind of, kind of way back in the day, my, his mother was a secretary there back at the, you know, when the school, I guess was maybe first starting or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, Huntsville was always very comfortable to us because that's where my grandmother lived for most of my adolescence. And so we would go back to Huntsville a lot. Um, and so, you know, that's some of the, the genie connection and, and, you know, Madison Academy that the group there and all that. So, um, we, Grew up, you know, going to Auburn Church Christ right there close to campus. Um, and, you know, I was, we were there, you know, every time the doors were open, my mom was yeah. the champion of VBS, and my dad was a deacon. And then, you know, when I got into high school, he became an elder. You know, we had the the pipeline there to the Auburn Christian Student Center, which um, Micah Cobb is now the, the campus minister there. It was Jim Brinkerhoff um, right. before he passed away. Um and you so, were there with you break, know,
0: right? You were yeah, there with break Yeah, I life. was. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my my dad was the president of the Auburn Christian Foundation. So, you know, that that was just kind of what we did. You know, we we were very much involved with the campus ministry and, you know, even as a as a middle schooler and high schooler, you know, I was going to Gulf Coast getaway, you know, like so yeah. So that was just kind of kind of all natural to me. Um, you know, as as a kid, you know, I I to a degree, I I bucked some of that trend. You know, I I was probably a little bit more mischievous mischievous Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you know, the typical younger brother, but, you know, my, my parents kept us pretty, pretty, you know, on the straight path. Um, I had really great friends. You know, I loved school. I loved high school. Some of my friends that I made in high school are still my best friends and, even married some of Jeannie's best friends in college, you know, so it's all kind of, um, you know, worked out from that perspective. So, um, so yeah, all of that kind of, kind of leading into college, you know, I, I just kind of planned um, to go to Auburn and to end up at the Auburn Christian Student Center and be involved. And, you know, that was just kind of where I landed through, through adolescence. Um, and, And I think I was, I got baptized at 15 um, after, you know, studying with my dad and, and talking to our youth ministers and all that, you know, that was all just kind of the natural to me
3: um, Right.
1: to be able to, to have that as somewhat as much as I would like to hope it was the center of, of kind of who, what made me who I was. Um, but still, you know, finding your way as a middle school and a high school student. Sure.
2: Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, Jeannie comes in the uh, – it sounded like maybe that was in the college when you got to college, or did you guys already right. know each other?
1: <laughs> no, no, so we didn't. So, you know, um, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, um, but I, I was dating a girl in high school, and we ended up breaking up the night before I started college.
0: Oh, wow. You know? Good so, decision. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right, you yeah, know, I, I try and, to tell people to break up before they go to college. That's a good decision.
1: So <laughs> – like, man I'm about to hit hit the campus there's gonna be all these girls it's gonna be great you know what I mean and <laughs> yeah day day one I meet Gene
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know like wow. um and so we met at the Auburn Christian Student Center um and it was just kind of you know I was hooked from that point I remember my freshman year I had a I think it was Cal One and Jeannie, and I had kind of been getting to know each other, but we hadn't like crossed that step of like, Do you want to like hang out together? Like, just us, <laughs> you know, you'd done all the freshman stuff at the student center and everything. Yeah. And she texted me the old T9 text of like, Hey, I'm in between classes, do you want to hang out or get breakfast or something? And I had a calculus test and I skipped
3: it hang out oh my, remember, oh
1: my. <laughs> and um I remember telling my professor like hey dude I'm sorry but this girl I really like want to hang out he was just like you know man I get it. um <laughs> and <laughs> so uh you know so so yeah we we met um we didn't start dating until like the spring of our, our freshman year but kind of from that point you know we, we just kind of the rest is history from you know Jeannie and I meeting and dating and getting engaged and getting married, you know, that was just kind of the, the trajectory of, of how God, you know, put her right there when I was, you know, ready for it. So,
0: mm-hmm. What, what, what year did y'all get married? How long have y'all been married now? Uh, we got married in
1: 2010. So I guess this year upcoming will be year 13.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. You did the smart thing. You went on one of the, the round years. I went on 2000. Right. So that way you just know That's, that, you know, if there's a, there's a there's a crooked number in it. You know you can do the math real quick and figure it out. Right, <laughs>
3: right,
1: <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that, that's kind of how how all that lined up. Um, so yeah.
0: Um. So, um, Jeannie comes in. Y'all get married in two thousand. were y'all was that post college or y'all still in college when you got married?
1: So I had graduated in two thousand and nine, right? Um, in De- December, and uh-huh. then she finished in. Um, whatever summer of spring of uh 2010, mm-hmm. um, and so we got married in G- that summer um, right. because she was finishing her undergrad and then she was headed straight into pharmacy school at Auburn.
0: Mm. Right, she's one of those really smart people. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. but tell us a little bit um, what was your what was your degree in when you graduated?
1: So I I went to school thinking I was going to be a doctor and you know, when you skip chemistry or a calculus test, and then you get a, a 27 on your first chemistry test, you're like, ah, maybe this isn't for me.
3: Maybe not a uh, doctor. Uh.
1: Right. So I, I remember I, I like had this, I was taking chemistry. and I was like, man, I'm going to really study. I did. And like the guy handed me the test and it was a 27. I'm like, I had really tried. And I was like, do I turn my lab key in here or do I need to go <laughs> to the, you know? Like, yeah. um, And so I, you know, to any disrespect, but I waltz straight over to the business school and got a degree over there. Yeah. So I, I just got a, um, you know, a business administration degree from Auburn and it was one of those, my, um, advisor was just like, you know, you can graduate this semester with this degree. And I'm like, cool. You know, like, yeah. you're really, I can graduate. You know,
0: Hey, um, So give me the degree. Let's go. That's right. That's so right. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your career path and, 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 kind of the direction you went.
1: You right. Know, yeah. That. So, so I got into the, um, the federal government, um, right out of school. I think I, I spent about two weeks, um, working at True Green, you know, that like the yard yeah. spraying company. You are a yard man. Well, I could, yeah. Just cause I was like, I, I'm out of school. I gotta have a job. Like, you know, G and I are getting married and I'd interviewed, um, with the first agency I worked for and hadn't heard anything, hadn't heard anything. Um, and so I got this this other job, and then um, I got a call like, Hey, you can start on Monday if you want to. And I like went to the guy that afternoon, I was like, I, Hey, I, I'm out, you know, like <laughs> I'm tired of wearing these rubber boots, like I, I've got to go. Uh, and
3: I only
1: had one, I only had one uniform because I just started, and so I had to like wash it every night, like
3: all uh, the chemicals, wash the
1: poisons <laughs> off
0: of you, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. Um, you know, so that, that was fantastic, but, you know, I had to pay the bills. And, um, so I, so I started there, um, with that first agency kind of in 2010, um, doing more like straight up administrative work, really like grunt work, um, you know, processing things and actions and, you know, a lot of spreadsheets and stuff and, um, so so I, I I got a chance to kind of move up through a different agency than I originally started with, um, kind of in, on the intel side. Um, kind of started cutting my teeth with some of their operations and and some of that kind of stuff, um, both both technical and in the field and and some of that kind of stuff. So so spent a few years um, kind of doing that, and as as Jeannie's pharmacy school was heating up, um, she does their fourth year is a rotation year um and so since huntsville was a comfortable spot for us um and a good spot for the federal government i was like okay well huntsville works so she got a rotation at huntsville hospital for her fourth year i was like hey told my um boss i was gonna move to huntsville they're like no 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 just Mm. keep working for us um and so i transitioned to a field office there Mm. in huntsville um, kind of doing similar things, but you know, starting to move up a little bit into the operations and and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Still, still working um, very much in the field, um, traveling a ton, um, and so that that's like what what brought us to Huntsville. Yeah. Um, and and I'll I'll go back to kind of how special and difficult Huntsville was at that time. But career wise, um, we ended up after she finished that year in Huntsville. She got a. She had to do two years of residency, and we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, And I swapped over to the Department of the Navy. Um, At the time, it was it was called Space and Naval Warfare Center Atlantic, Um, and now it has changed names since the Space Force stood up to. Naval Information Warfare Center, Atlantic. So wow. I'm working on their, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on their, their policy planning, um, force analysis branch. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the, a little bit of a senior role there. So, so kind of managing some different projects and, and things like that, but very much not, um, in the field or anything like that. It's, it's very much a, um, desk job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, still a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of emails, a lot of analysis and, and planning and sure. um, we're doing projections, projections and you know we and it, it's it's really great to be able to work with an organization that that's really um, working with the warfighter who is downrange you know boots on the ground and providing right. them with um, you know the things they need to do their job
3: um, mm. whether
1: that's Intel reconnaissance counterinsurgencies you know wh- whatever it is, that they're the technical guys and the, the competency guys are working on, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to give them the things they need to be able to, to their, to do their job. So,
0: um, It's really cool. So yeah. it's like, it's like, um, every little boy, uh, probably not any little boys listening, but there's little boys and all of us like, that's so cool. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Just cause you use certain yeah, I, words like reconnaissance. Right, so it's like, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, I,
1: I get I get to work with some really great people
0: that do really cool things. I just kind
3: of sit at the desk, you know <laughs> yeah. well,
1: yeah,
0: your job is less glamorous, but you it's just kind of cool the people around you but uh, right so, so it sounds like through y'all's early life and marriage, y'all were on the move, like constantly making adjustments with her school with your yeah job. what was all that like as a young girl yeah
3: so.
1: Yeah, yeah it was it was tough you know to be able to move that often you know you had a hard time um, finding friends or or making connections you know um we had moved to Huntsville um, and that was the first time I had left quote home you know I had, mm-hmm. I had moved out of my parents' house when I was you know went to college and turned 18 but you know it was still home you know my right. parents' house yeah. was like seven, seven miles away from where I was living you know or whatever. Um, and so that was kind of the first big move I had ever made. Um, didn't really know anybody, you know, and, and Jeannie was busy, you know, Jeannie was busy with her career, finishing up pharmacy school and, and, you know, working with the medical side of UAB that was there and all kinds of stuff. And, and I was busy, you know, I had a stressful job. I was traveling a good bit. I was kind of all over the place. Um, and so that was really a really tough time for Jeannie and I. Um, married you know we had a, a to the point of you know Jeannie and I got to a place before things kind of turned around where I, I was ready to leave so mm-hmm. we had had lots of issues and I, I was re- you know I was just ready to check out and I was like this is not for me um, and really what what was happening was that all the stresses of my life and anything that was going on negatively i was just putting on genie because i'm like you brought me here because of your rotation year and it was just all kind of spiraling as i was trying to learn how to one be still be an adult yeah um but also you know however i was 25 or 26 with a, a stressful job that i was traveling a lot and and you know in some you know different situations and um, you know, Jeannie was busy all the time, and so we had gotten to the point where we were gonna call it quits and um we kind of de- Jeannie was like, all right, well, let's let's go back to counseling. you know, I know Jeannie's family I don't know if you remember a guy named John Jones yeah, um, yeah. through through Mayfair and he did some some or not through mayfair through Madison academy, I think, and mm-hmm. um and he did some counseling, so it was like, let's, let's just try one more time. Let's go talk to him. And I'm like, you know, I'm just done with it. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so we went and we talked have the first meeting with John and, uh, we talk and we get to the end and, you know, he's just very gracious and very, you know, um, kind. And he looks at me, and goes, Jason, why don't you come back by yourself next week? Yeah. Uh, like, okay. Um, so, you know, we, we sit and we talk and I, it's, it's, It's hard to describe. Um, Literally, it was like I remember nothing, and literally it was like coming up out of the water and taking a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Like, (gasps) you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what John said. I don't know if I was hypnotized, and he said hippopotamus, and I woke up. (laughs) You know, like it was literally one of those moments just like, what the heck am I doing? You know, like all of these things that are going on are just life events that I'm not processing or handling the stress, you know? Mm. And so that was very much, you know, one of those like watershed moments. And Jeannie even, I think, you know, has said like, she's like, you came home from that and the look in your eyes was back to how you were before it all had kind of blown up in my face, you know? Um, And Mm. that, you know, several more sessions with John and, and, you know, and that's when, I really felt like when I was willing to come the 10% that God and really came the other 90, you know, mm, right. cause I, I kind of made that, okay, I'm, I'm open. Like there's some things going on that I need to fix. And at that point, that was when, you know, we got a little bit better connected at Mayfair with the um, 640 stuff. Um, You know, Jonathan, you know, got to hang out with him, Doug, getting, getting to meet you and, a guy named Brian Nash, you know, like kind of, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I found, even though he lo- became a loser and moved away, but, yeah. um, <laughs> like he, some other however, guy. Doug, he did move to Utah and he's like, you know, like 30 minutes from the, like some of the greatest ski. Oh yeah. Ever. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and we've been out there several times to ski and, to see him and ski oh, and really? Been with us. Uh, yeah. yeah. Once. Um, so that was funny watching him fall a lot. But, um, (laughs) yeah, for sure. But, yeah, so it, it, you know, it was really one of those things where to go from a, if you're looking at a gas gauge, to completely empty in Huntsville, to completely full to the point where, you know, we went to see Jonathan and Kaylee and Cece and, you know, just like Gene and I leaving, one of the last times we were going to see him before we moved, just like sitting in the car, like upset because we didn't want to leave. You know, we didn't want to move and leave Huntsville and leave these friends we had made and this little core group of people. Um, you know, Josh Davis, you know, um, I worked out with him every day, you know, so it was just kind of, you know, very much one of those instances where everything was going wrong, and when you're willing to just kind of come that, that small amount, that Jesus will come the other 90%, you know, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, that was a really pivotal. Point in our our lives for Jeannie and I both so.
0: it sounds like y'all were really your faith was really stretched during that time and and actually kind of awakened in so many ways right when you
1: yeah yeah
0: it's uh for I, sure. I young couples I work with young couples a lot in in counseling and it's it's a very stressful time as it is but you guys had a lot on you moving I I um, I applaud that that y'all were willing to go and and say, hey, we need we need to at least look outside of us, uh, right? And and it was one of those pivotal moments. It's uh, I appreciate you being willing to share that.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So so Jason, I it you know it sounded like you, this you kind of and I didn't realize all that was going on. You know, we we were just yeah. we were just available and here, I guess, for God to kind of. I'll use some of us to help um, during that time for y'all, but but then you so you um, you get your career, uh, you got you know, kind of get you're moving, and then you're married for a little while, and then you find that you're going to have a baby. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so so, I, I mean, everybody knows what a baby how a baby impacts their life, but how did that impact your direction with your career? And what about Jeannie? Um, I mean, I know she was. She, uh, one understand she spent a lot of time working toward this very specific career path. You know that she was going right. she was on. So was it a I'm going to was it a planned thing? Did you say oh it, yeah. it, it, I'm <laughs> well, pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So so yeah, we were so Jeannie had, had been doing residency in Charleston. So I had started working for the Navy. Yeah. I was still traveling a good bit, you know, busy. But Jeannie was also, you know, working Eighty hours a week as a resident. Oh wow! So yeah. she had done a year in pediatrics, and then she had decided that she wanted to do infectious disease, um, and so she was doing pediatric infectious disease as a resident at MUSC in Charleston. Okay. Wow. So, so we, we and I made some good friends, and you know, we Charleston was was a better place. It was still tough for us because she was so busy. I was just kind of on my own a lot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and which was fine, you know, cause she was busy and, and stuff, but, you know, I had a little bit more of that foundation we had built in Huntsville to so kind right. of keep that from going off the rails. Right. And, and yeah. John, you know, very much kept in touch with how things were going and Doug, you know, I started going skiing with you guys. So right. it was always, I kind of had these, these heat check moments of like, you know, when things would get a little wonky, there would be something that would pull me back to, you know, that, that center line. Right. Um, and so, so Randy, to answer your question, it was somewhat planned, you know, we, Jeannie and I had been so busy, um, I was traveling and I remember it vividly and this is probably TMI, but that (laughs) when, when when Jeannie got pregnant, we saw each other one day that month and it was (laughs) on our, I, I, we were both available. Spend some time together and we went out and stuff on our anniversary. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of like, that was the one day we saw each other that month, you know, or whatever. Cause she was busy and I was busy and, you know, so, and that was right before, you know, Jeannie had accepted a job in Charlotte at Levine children's hospital to come do pediatric infectious disease. So we knew we were moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we went on this trip with our friends out West and we woke up in the hotel room and Jeannie was like, oh, I have something to tell you. And <laughs> she's like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And she was like, Oh no, you know, um, I'm about to start this new job. You yeah. know, so we're going to move, you know, we're going to start a new job. um, You know, we're going to have a baby and all that kind of stuff. And so luckily when I told my, the Navy, I was um, going to move. They were like, no, we can't let you go. How about you just try teleworking coming into the office? And cause it's just three hours from Charleston to Charlotte every once in a while. We'll try it for six months and see how it goes. And now I'm in like year seven, you know, working (laughs) remotely (laughs) or something like that. Um, still, still working with the Navy. But so, so we had, we had moved to, to Charlotte, we were renting a little townhouse and Jeannie was getting pregnant and, more and more pregnant and um <laughs> we we go to like start registering for things. Um and so we go and we're in this, you know, tiny townhome thing. Um and I'm like, oh no, we don't have enough space. So again, to add on to the plate, I'm like, we need to buy a house.
0: Um yeah, why, so, not? You know, why not throw that right, in there? I mean right. New that's...
1: city, new jobs, new house, new baby. Um, yeah, so so all that to say, when when I knew Nora was coming, I was like, I need to make a change a little bit career wise. You know, I, I'm I'm not gonna, I don't want to travel as much. I want to be home. You know, Jeannie's gonna be working in the hospital, so her schedule is you know a little bit strict, more strict because you know hospital is always open and kids mm-hmm. are always getting sick with nasty bugs that she's got to treat. You know, so um, you know I, I want to be around, and you know, so we we ended up moving into that house at the end of um, December of 2016, I believe. Hmm. Um, and that, that kind of sets the stage for Nora making her entrance.
0: So yeah. Tell us a little bit about that because I, so this is, <laughs> this is part of the reason we brought you on. Uh, it, it's already been, God does this. I, I I really mean this on every time we get on these podcasts, it's just like, um, I really didn't know, as much about the struggles in the marriage early on, and, and that y'all went to counseling. Right. I don't know. So it's really it's neat how God pulls these things out when we start telling our story, and that's really why we even started this podcast. Is because we believe that God works through our stories. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. really, why we brought you home was this story because I remember, I still vividly remember on our ski trip, you kind of telling this story, and my jaw just dropping like, whoa. What so kind of kind of lead us into her coming into this world and 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 kind of the scenario with both you and Jeannie and and the whole birth day. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you know, it was so we had moved into that house in December, end of December. Um, no, I take that back. We had closed on the house in December and we didn't move in until till January. So mm-hmm. it was about a month before Nora was supposed to be born. Um, And so I'm like, hey, I've got to make one more trip to Charleston um, because I had meetings and I had somebody important come to see me and that kind of stuff. I was like, I need to make one more trip just for the day. I'm going to get up at 3 in the morning because I had to be on deck at 6 a.m. When I get up at 3 or 2.30, I'm going to drive in, get everything done, drive home, easy peasy. We're like a month out from Nora coming and I was like in my head like oh even if something would happen you know labor for first baby is like 24 hours you know it's not <laughs> like I'm gonna be on be on the other side of the world right um and so I, I a buddy of mine um we had gotten to know in Charleston he and his wife he had moved away he and his wife because she is a pharmacist as well and um so he was like, Hey, I'm gonna drive down to Charleston or drive down to Charlotte because I wanna see you guys, see the new house, and I wanna go to Charleston. So, Jason, I can just ride with you down to Charleston um, and hang out while you work for the day and ride back. That way, you know, I can see everything and and see the old restaurants they went to, all that kind of stuff. So right. I have a buddy with me. Yeah. So, so we head out, um, and, you know, I did – it. So I'm asleep. And I, I get a, um, a text from Jeannie at, like, 3 a.m., and she's like, hey, I think I'm having contractions. And I'm like, okay, like, no big deal. Go back to sleep. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I, you know, um, and preface that to instead of getting up so early that day, I had decided to go. We went the night before, so I'm you. already in Charleston. Yeah. The night oh, okay. That sorry, makes that more
0: sense. Yeah. Was probably, yeah. I was trying to. Was pro- why is she texting you right next to you? Yeah. But now that makes no, more sorry. sense. Yeah.
1: Rather than getting up early, I, I had said I was going to do that. And then in practice, I was like, I can't drive at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so I had gone the night before. And um, so I get a text from Jeannie and, you know, thanks to having the contract. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. So then, um, I decide to go on into work um, because I'm like I got to get some few things done, and so she's she's texting me like, oh, I've talked to the nurse. They say it's okay. Um, You know, contractions are normal. We just want you to come into the clinic when they open at like 9 a.m. and we'll check you out. But you know, it may not be real labor because you're still like a month early. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I get this feeling of like, nah, I, I got to go back. And a friend of mine at, at work um, with some of our overseas stuff was like, sir, like you, you need to go, like, you need to go home. And so like this important person that's coming into me with me, I'm like, Hey, sorry, sir. I, I got to go. <laughs> 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 and so, so I've texted to my buddy this there, had his whole day planned with all these things he was going to do in Charles. So I'm like, Hey dude, we got to go. And so I don't know. It's, 630 or 7 or something like that and so I swing back by pick him up um, and I'm like "All right, we're I'm driving you know a Chevy Silverado that will only go 100 miles an hour Um, (laughs) and I'm like we have got to get back um, because I think Jeannie may be starting labor still not super concerned because I'm like even if she is it's going to be a while you know what I mean the the first baby always takes forever right and so we, we, the, another thing, I don't, we get out on the interstate and literally a blacked out, like, I guess state trooper or federal car pulls out in front of me going like 103 or something. And I just like tuck in behind him and drive like hundred miles an hour the whole way, like wow. all the way to Columbia, which is in between, um, you know, Charleston and, um, Charlotte oh. so, so you're saying
2: you got a police escort is that what you're telling me <laughs>
1: yeah I, I got some kind of escort and so I'm just got you know set the crews on a 100 and oh, wow. and so um so about maybe about outside of Columbia so I'm let's say I'm I'm two hours away and again mm-hmm. maybe maybe some of this is getting fuzzy it's been so long
0: now but sure um, <laughs>
1: If you get Jeannie on here, she'll probably be like, "No, it was actually." Yeah, this that's that's why you, we just had one of you. <laughs> right? You said this, you actually said this mean thing. You weren't as nice as you think. Yeah, and so so she she calls me and she's like, "My water broke," and I'm like, "Oh no," and I'm like, <laughs> "But I'm also like, great, like still probably gonna be a while. That probably just means like, hey, we're probably gonna have a baby today,
0: right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. today." is just short my coming. stay. At the hospital is what you did. yeah. <laughs> right,
1: right. It's, it's going to happen. And so she calls me. So I'm like, great. And so she's like, all right, I'm getting my stuff together. You know, I'm going to get in the car and try to go to, I guess at this point, she was thinking she might go to the hospital. Because um, I don't know if the clinic was open. Mm-hmm. But, however, things are evolving rapidly at home for Jeannie. hmm so she's talking to the nurse again on the call. I'm like, oh, no, it's it's you're fine. It's probably not coming. And so she calls me and she's like, Jason, this baby's coming. And I'm like me, mm. typical man. I'm like, no, like, I know it's scary to be there by yourself. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, I'm going through like, I know it is painful. It, I know it is like it. I'm trying to give all the lines, like, you know. <laughs> And yeah. Jeannie's getting more and more perturbed because Jeannie's medical. Like, she knows. She's like, this this baby's coming. I'm like, well, okay, fine. If the baby's coming, you need to hang up with me and dial 911. Because she's at home
3: mm.
1: by herself in the morning. We just moved into this new house a month ago, moved into a new, you know, city. We don't know anybody. You know, it's not like you've got a neighbor you know right next door yeah. who you can be like, hey, I need some help. And so, so Jeannie's like, I'm like, you need to call nine one one. Last thing she says to me is, I'll try. Hangs up. I'm like, Whoa. oh no. And so <laughs> I, at this point, I'm coming at this point, I'm coming through Columbia. So I'm calling nine one one because I'm like, what if she passes out? What and so I'm getting Columbia EMS, you know. Mm. So I I try I call back to the Navy and at base, and I'm like, Hey, you have got to get me Charlotte EMS, Catch me through i I'm trying, I'm, I'm like, I can't get a hold of Jeannie. Obviously. Cause she's on the phone.
0: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I get patched through to Charlotte EMS and the guy's like, Hey, tell him what's going on. He's like, yes, I'm looking at the transcript. You know, Jeannie's called. Um, I guess, you know, she thinks she's having the baby, the firefighters who are right down the street are almost there. And I'm like thinking, okay, cool this guy is going to, but and the house is all locked up and everything. So I'm telling him like, put in the note that they can go to the back door and you can break the glass. Cause it's like a glass window over the back door. You know, you right. can get in if you can't get to her. We have a small dog. Um, you know, all these things thinking he's going to stay on the phone with me and talk me through this as the intermediary between me and the paramedics, you know? And he's just like, all right, see ya. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <no.
3: "What?" laughs> like,
1: Thanks for the call, buddy. Yeah. Like, dude help me out here and so i wait about what felt like an hour but it, i think it was really about 10 minutes and i call Jeannie's phone and a man answers and he goes hey dad and i'm like excuse me they're like hey this is the paramedic mike um genie had the baby and she, you know they're fine and we're you know just packing things up here and we're gonna head to the hospital so <laughs> everybody's good and i'm like what?
3: Oh like, man!
1: <laughs> so so turns out, Jeannie's water had broken, and about forty minutes later, Jeannie was there. Like I'm mean, a Jeannie. Nora was born, so Jeannie had Nora by herself home before the firefighters or the paramedics got there.
0: That's just oh my! See,
1: I hear it again, and the... I'm like, oh my
0: goodness! What so a woman. Jeannie
1: just like went in the bathroom standing like a champ and just caught her as she came out and oh, the oh i think Jeannie was like the dog like came in there and was like what the and like <laughs> left you know like <laughs> um, <laughs> of course you know the, the Nora came out and she looked up and she goes and like blew all the crap and stuff out of her nose yeah. and we just like started crying and was fine and of course oh, Jeannie wow. grabbed my towel off the rack um <laughs> and, well that's
0: what you deserve and, <laughs> yeah
1: Right. And so then, you know, the firefighters went to the back door and I like, broke a window and like got in and Jeannie was just in there with Nora and, um, you know, the, the paramedics were right behind them. So they went to the front door and unlocked the door. The paramedics came in, the paramedic, Mike, um, cut the cord and, you know, they went to the hospital and they were all, you know, perfectly fine. Um, the paramedics and the firefighters were like, you know, we've never actually had the bait, like had a baby we've got, you know, like it's always been like, Oh, it was false labor. Or like, Oh, we're in right. the back of the ambulance, you know, don't have this baby back here, yeah. you know? Um, and so the paramedics ended up coming and seeing us in the hospital the next day. Um, wow. cause like, we, you know, we didn't know anybody.
0: Um, wow. so, so it's what's so funny is Jeannie is like this, I've always said she has like uh, she's such a sweet kind person and she has the the voice for a Disney character you right. know and so yeah. I it, that's what you imagine but you really I mean she's like she's tough. Man. she I was gonna say like, you would not want to tangle with her, I wouldn't think
1: No 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 and so so yeah I mean we so I so I'm driving. And I'm like, Oh no, like she's had the baby. And so I, I get to the, where the ambulances pull up at the hospital and I just, my buddy is in the truck with me. And so I'm like, Hey, we've talked about like, you go to my house, make sure that the door's not busted down just cause I had no idea. Make sure Zoe, the dog has not escaped. But mm. I'm like, whatever you do, don't go in the bathroom because it may be a crime scene. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But you know, so, so it was lucky cause I just pull up at the emergency room exit and like he jumps in the front seat and he takes the truck home and checks on the house or whatever. Um, it's funny cause he ends up staying. Um, and he's the first person or my buddy Chad yeah. to come into the hospital and get to hold Nora and stuff. So, you know, he, oh, he wow. always tells the story because he was, a, you know, a big part of the day.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and so, so I, I get to the, the you know, there's a little lady sitting at the, um, check in and I'm like my wife just came in she just had a baby and there's like this poor guy like walking up on crunch crutches that clearly had an accident and he she's like oh my goodness come on and she like runs me all the way up because I guess she thinks I'm trying to make the birth rather than like the birth has already happened and oh, leaves wow. this poor this poor guy on crutches you know trying to check into the birth <laughs> no. and so I I come up and I just open the door and they're in the room and Vinnie's holding Nora and the you know doctor's in there and they're like hey dad and you know, it was
0: just there she was and everybody was fine. You yeah. Know? Oh, wow. Um, That's just crazy. Yeah. Do you yeah, still, so, it, as you retell this, are you like, it's just, I mean, every time you tell it, I'm sure it's just part of your life. Yeah. Now, but.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's weird too, because you don't think about it that often,
0: you know, mm-hmm. like
1: until, you know, we ended up moving in this summer to a new house. And it was funny, you know, Jeannie took Nora into the bathroom like the day we were moving out and like took a picture of her now at at 5 (laughs) and was like, you know, started at the bottom, you know, like it's, you know, and it, you know, it was, it was one of those things. It's a really, really cool story. um, And it was great, you know, but it's, it's, I really struggled in those days after that because it was one of the instances where I could have lost them both.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And
1: not been there. Um, and, and I, I really struggled with that as far as like feeling like I could not leave them.
3: I could not
1: leave Nora. I was very, very anxious. And I remember sitting in the the tiny postpartum room waiting to go home and just filled with anxiety about something bad happening to them,
0: yeah Mm. you know,
1: for the rest of their lives. And I remember texting John Jones that we had had Nora and he's, you know, asking how I was and just telling him that I, you know, was just kind of struggling with that. And I, I'll never forget he, he texted me back and he was like, you know, what you have to realize is that Nora is far more important to God than she is to you. And that Nora is just on loan to you mm-hmm. from from God. And I, I you know and so he he is very invested in what's going on with Nora and what went on and all those things and and it very much that you know verses about you know being set apart for a purpose and mm. you know how how god is just like intimately involved in all those phases really kind of calmed me down you know yeah, yeah. and kind of got me through that over that hump of like okay i don't have to control everything yeah. You know, I can breathe a little bit, um, within it. And Nora turned out to be like a giant, you know, baby and super healthy and like, <laughs> you know, everybody did great, but you know, it was, it's a great story and, and something that, you know, we'll have for a long forever. Yeah. Um, and, and, but you know, it, it definitely could have, could have gone the other way quick.
3: You
0: know? Yeah. And that is the dad, you know, wh- when when you when you go through something, I could imagine even more so like yourself. When you 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 have zero to do with it. My wife had a C section, took in another room, and I panicked. Like I right. last time I saw her, she was cut open. So yep. what how is she now? I I need to see her. I can't imagine yeah. not being there and walking in and still feeling that rush of overwhelming, like right. I, I, it's out of my control. Yeah, uh, there's right. some, and it there's. Was- realization to all that yeah
1: yeah and, and it was funny you know as i'm telling people what's happened and Jeannie's dad is in new york and he's like sitting in a meeting and he just like gets up walks out
3: you know and he's like
1: yeah. first flight home Jeannie's sister and her husband are in mexico they like cut their trip oh short, my goodness. come goodness oh, yeah. my oh. sister my sister um and her husband are in um you know, back in Alabama. And like, my sister's like, I am leaving. And like my brother-in-law, I can't get home from work fast enough. So she like almost leaves him, you know, it's like everybody (laughs) is panicked, you know, and I'm like, Hey, it's, it's fine. Uh, You know, everybody's doing good. So, so yeah, it it was a, you know, an eventful eventful day for sure. But, but turned out to be, to be great And, and turned out that that, that house was great. It really turned into a great home. We, our neighbors became some of our best friends. So it was just Mm. like a really, really great moment of, you know, what was to come for, for us in that spot in our lives.
2: Wow. Really cool. Amazing story. And I, and I, I don't know how we can top that one, but, uh, but I understand though, that you've got a, that you guys have a little boy now too, and that you made the decision to adopt. And could you maybe share a little about that, uh, that decision about your son?
1: Yeah. So Really, since day one, you know, Jeannie has been like, I I want to adopt, you know, don't know specifics, but I want to adopt. And so Mm -hmm. after we had Nora and she had started getting past the like adorable baby stage into the like, you're a little bit more work than I thought. I I was, I was kind of like, I mean, I may be done with this kid thing. And so Jeannie was like, well, we need, we need to adopt now. Because I don't know if you're going to do it. So I drug my feet, drug my feed, drug my feed. It's a long process. And we took some classes and stuff, and, and we settled on um, international adoption. Uh-huh. And with international adoption, um, lots of countries have stipulations on who can adopt, uh-huh. um, whether that's you can't break birth order or maybe if you're adopting from China. I know your oldest child has to be two are all these different you know, stipulations, income stipulations, household stipulations, all these things. And India just was kind of one of the things that fit where we were in our lives with Nora. And, you know, it has one of the largest populations of orphans in the world.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: some of that's just because mm-hmm. it's such a large population. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's just a, a, a great need for, um, Adoption, And, you know, in India, um, they won't allow Americans to adopt what they consider healthy children. Now, that can be a whole host Mm -hmm. of things. And and to a degree, you get it because in India, they're trying to foster of an environment where Indian people are adopting their Indian Indian babies. You know, you're trying to foster some of that within your country. And and I I get all that. Um, And and so. You know, when you go through an agency, you have to really kind of be honest with yourself, and you fill out this giant questionnaire of what medical or mental or development you know needs you're comfortable with, and so you kind of have to go through this list of like we're comfortable with this, we're comfortable with this, or we're not comfortable with this, and it, it's everything from you know loss of limbs to oh you're just blind in one eye, or you you know you have cleft palate or cleft lip or whatever um then it could be multiple things and so throughout that journey you know we got to the point where we were getting files of children mm. um and that, and we had one or two um that we had to turn down which was really tough because um one of them um had cp and was in a wheelchair and mm. like it was just kind of you had to be very honest with yourself of what um you could handle you sure. know bring into your home and and with Nora and our work schedules and all that kind of things. And so we had made the mistake of seeing pictures of these, childs with their, these children with their files, and then you're, you're just heartbroken when it's not going to fit. It's not going to work. Oh, yeah. And so we, had, we, had, we got another file, and I was just kind of dreading it because it's all the fallout that comes with seeing a child that needs a home, you know, and being like, it just it's not working are yeah. not going to work no way and exactly. so we're like we we, we don't want to see pictures we just want to see the file and so we get the file and um it's like okay this kid has a condition called anal atresia never heard of that So you know of course you start googling it talking to people um and so like well so so layman's terms he was born without an anus mm. that mm-hmm. that's really most of the, they assume most of the plumbing is there um, but there's just no opening. Right. And so, um, so at like day one of life, he was, they put a ostomy, like a cult like, yeah. you know, like the ostomy bag right. and all that, that kind of stuff. Um, and so that was how he went to the bathroom for number two. And so oh, we're wow. like, okay, well, you know, we don't know anything about this, but okay. We, we think we, we might can handle it. Um, and so they sent us the picture and like, no joke, the cutest child
3: ever, oh, wow. <laughs> you know,
1: and Jeannie literally looks at me. She's like, "If you don't let us do this, he's like, I will leave you." And I'm like, okay. like, I think this is the one, baby. I think right? This is the all one. right. You know, like, um, so so you know, then then everything starts of, um, you know, you've got to start talking to doctors and how do we handle this and all these things. And, and he's in India, and and um, you know he's got this medical condition, but it seems like he's okay because he's. He looks tiny, but, you know, that's kind of common for kids that are in orphanages because of their diets and all. So um, communication's tough. And then then what happens? A worldwide pandemic.
3: Oh,
2: <laughs> oh man. And
1: so, so we're stuck getting through court in India. So you have to go to court, and we don't have to travel for court over there. But, you know, it's mounds and mounds of paperwork and not great communication, and you don't know what's happening. And this is my son who lives in another country during a pandemic. I've got to get him. Um, and anyways, COVID's happening. Um, and so, um, we'd gotten enough word that we, you know, he was doing okay and getting good care. And so we finally got the word that like, Hey, we can get it. Like we can go over there and get it. I'm like, okay, what do I have to do to get over there? Um, and we were able to, you know, pull a few strings and get some emergency visas from the Indian government. To go and pick him up, um, and so in the middle of COVID, um, mm. there's a little break before. I think if you remember in the news, COVID got horrible in India. You've seen the pictures, I'm sure, of like where they're like burning bodies in the street. Mm. We were kind of in that lull before it got so bad. Oh man! And so, so we go over to India, um, go to his orphanage, meet his care. You know, some of his caretakers. You know, we get him, and it's this two-year-old boy with anal atresia he has an ostomy that is putting out poop we've never dealt with that before he doesn't speak english and we're in india trying mm. to figure all that out mm. um so anyways we, we get our jump through all the hoops and we're, most times when people are in india picking up adopted kids like that they're there for like two weeks plus we're in and out in eight days oh, wow. because wow. Yeah. we are we are of COVID and we're right. getting everything done working with the state department to get his paperwork to get him out and we you know then we embarked on this you know 16 hour flight home with a two-year-old that doesn't speak English and doesn't know us that has a ostomy bag filling up with poop and you have to change it on a plane you know all, all those things oh, wow. um so anyways um We get him home and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been really good. You know, he's had, I guess, three surgeries, um, in Columbus, Ohio. There's a great colorectal center there, um, with a doctor from South Africa that specializes in this, doing this care and treatment for these kids. Mm. Um, and it's a wonderful place and a great surgeon and great team. And, you know, we, I've been up to Ohio several times for his surgeries. He stayed there for about a month um, with his second largest surgery. And, um, you know, Abby, his, his full name is Abhinav, A B H I N A V, mm-hmm. but we call him Abby like the tiger. <laughs> and so all <laughs> the Auburn people are like, oh, it's Abby for the yeah. tiger. I'm like, no, his name is Abhinav. Like, it just worked out that way that we call him <laughs> Abby because we're Auburn people, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, his surgery went great. He is pooping in the potty now,
3: you know, so he's he's had his
1: ostomy closed. He's learning to potty train. He's like, he, I think the first three or four months he was home, he grew a literal inch a month. Um, he's growing and he's a little fatty now, you know, like it's just all, all the Mm. things have lined up for him to be this, you know, cute, happy, you know, somewhat well-adjusted child <laughs> as much as you can be for an almost four 4 year old, you yeah. know, who just kind of jumped into our family. And it's like, he's all, he's always been here, mm. um, you know? So I, I always tell people, it's like, I missed both my child's births, my children's births, and they have different dads, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know people, are, people are always like, or it's like when I'm at the park and I'm like, accosting this little brown kid people are always looking at me like why are you being so mad at that child i'm like he's mine yeah,
3: you know, like, you my know. Child. <laughs> he
1: he bit this other kid i've got to get on to him you know like mm. this is my kid you know so so navigating all of that you know two white parents you know with a brown child and, mm, yeah. and all those things but you know he's he's really great um and it's just been you know really cool to see him grow and evolve and and go through really some pretty difficult surgeries and, and come out, you know, doing well. So it's kind of all worked out from, from that perspective.
0: Wow. How cool. Yeah. How cool is that? Um, let me ask you, I mean, this is you've kind of mentioned this along the way, but how how have you seen God work kind of through very specifically kind of the birth of your children, the life of your children? I mean, you could even go back as far as even, um, in your marriage early on, but how have you seen God? Uh, that's that's all what Unbroken Jars is about. It's like how God is weaving in and out of our story and, and using our life to impact both us and others around us. So how have you seen God at work through your story?
3: Yeah, so
1: it's it's been really two things. It's one, the realization that in a lot of phases through your life, um, that God is, is controlling what happens, you know, when you're in it, it it looks, I can't, this is a Joe, Joe Walsh. I I don't know if he, the guitar player, I don't know if he coined it, but he said it in a documentary. He said, you know, when you're in the moment, it just looks like chaos, Mm -hmm. you know, random events happening here, there, this is happening, everything's kind of happening to you but when you look back it looks like you know it's a finely tainted masterpiece that everything went exactly where it's supposed to go
3: yeah.
1: and i think i think that realization one of of that god was in control of those moments and even when you screw up or things don't go well that he's willing to nudge you back and forth to get on track and I, that that was the the one thing that sticks out and the, the second thing is mm-hmm. just how god placed people you know, whether that was Doug, you, or or Jonathan, or or Nash, or Josh, or any any of these guys or and we moved to Charlotte, my my neighbor Jason, and Mm -hmm. um, John, and Cliff, like all these people that that God kind of puts here to say, hey, this is going to be difficult. Here's this person that's going to help you. Here's this, this thing that you're going to get plugged into that's going to help you stay on the path or, or get through a tough moment. And and, I'm one of those people like, man, I, I got a lot of red in my ledger, you know, from from <laughs> and baggage, you know, f- from work or relationships or, or, or what, whatever it is. Sure. From whole life forward, and and I think realizing that God can one use that to nudge you in the right direction, um, but can also kind of pull you back from some times where it's like, man, the, it has really hit the fan. Things are not going good. You've made a ton of mistakes. You're not handling this well. Just just open the door. Just be willing to turn back towards me and I will come the ninety nine percent, you know, and and meet you more than halfway Mm. if you're just willing to see what's around you and be willing to make a change. And I think I think that's just been what's important kind of throughout my life, both married and with kids and it's all these things that are just like Nora, just chaos. And it's like you look back and I'm like, man, that, that worked in this way. Or stuff with Avi, that's just like global pandemic, you know, yeah. lack of communication, a child with a special need. And it's like you can't get to him, can't talk to anybody. And it's like, oh, well, you know, the orphanage care was, was really good. Like they were really doing the best they could to take care of so it. So it's like all these things where it seems like horrible at the time. And you look back and you're like, really, you know, some, somebody had a hand on that. There was somebody right. with a hand on the wheel. Um, yeah. So, you know, just kind of seeing seeing that over and over again is is really, really special um, and really confirming to, to what you, you know, if you're going to believe what you say you believe, it, it it's confirming to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and we often don't slow down enough to actually look back at our own stories. You know, I'm sure even as you go through this and retell the story, it's like some of these things pop back out. And like I said, that's one of the reasons why we – love doing this podcast. It's it's when you hear people start telling their story, it's like you see how God's using that. You see how God right. is inter inter interwoven in everything. And and he was there when we thought he wasn't uh in those right. moments. And you know that, that that was one of the reasons like I said that we wanted to have you on. It's like what a cool time. You yeah, know, we got this birth story, this really cool birth story, but who knew <laughs> that you know God was also gonna have the adoption story just like we're adopted into uh to, to to the family of God and you know uh I love and I appreciate you and Jeannie and your willingness to work as hard as you have, not just for the birth of your child, not just for your marriage, but um but even more so for Abby for and and the, the work that you put in and commitment you you've you've got to him and how you've chosen him. Um, uh, I just, I think what a beautiful story. I appreciate yeah. that. Amen. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. It's it's really, really cool to see that, that analogy. We've been through it and kind of seen it, you know, downrange of the adoption and, you know, how, like you say, how we're adopted and how, you know, we're kind of in that, that state of needing a hand and needing somebody to care for us. And you know, how, how, how Jesus kind of accepts us with open arms, with all the baggage, with the, with the ostomy bag, you know, all all those things. And, and, uh, you know, it, it definitely wasn't one of those things like, you know, Hey, we're, we're trying to rescue Abhi from a bad situation because he could have been perfectly fine and successful in India. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it it was just like, I think God just meant for him to be a part of our family. Right. Um, you know, and I think he's done enough for Jeannie and I to to kind of make us realize some things about ourselves and learn some things about us that we didn't know. And, and I think that that's important, you know, um, kind of rounding out perspective of, of who you are as a person and how you can relate to people. So I, I I think that's been been cool to see.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, we appreciate your time today.
2: We do. And if uh, we always – if it's okay jason we'd love to pray with you here at the end and and uh for, for you and your family for genie and Abby and nora and um and again it's just it's like a, it's been great to hear your voice but it's also been it's been a blessing to hear your story mm-hmm. today and and um glad to see you guys doing well and these two precious kids and uh we may have to make a trip up your way sometime just to yeah, that's catch right. up. come on. I'm not I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a skier or snowboarder, so I, I'd have to just come back from, uh, during a yeah. during, during a warm season. <laughs> You're right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. There's lots to do here. We'll find yeah, something for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, let's let's pray together with you if it would be okay right now. let let's. let's yes. Yeah. yeah. Father God, we we thank you so much, Father, for the many things that you um, have done and continue to do for us in our lives, for the way you weave our stories, Father, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people and places and things that, that you use to uh, help us to grow and become um, more like your Son Jesus and be shaped into His image, Father, we're we're just thankful today that we've able we've been able to hear this story from Jason and Jeannie. Um, we thank you, Father, for them and for uh, how you've worked in, in their struggles and in in these rejoiceful or joyful moments, Father, that you've given them. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the through the ring into their lives of these two precious children for Nora and Abby. And we are grateful for their physical well-being, but we grateful, Father, to know that they're with two people who love you and are doing their best to show that love toward these two precious children and raising them up. Father, we pray that you would continue to be with Jason and... We're grateful, Father, for the connection we have here and for the the ties we have through Jesus to be your sons and daughters that you've adopted us into your family, Father. And we're grateful for uh, the blessings of the stories that we have, each have, that we can share to show others, uh, not in a boastful way, but just in a thankful way, Father, how you've worked in our lives Mm -hmm. and worked through us, Uh, with our imperfections to make us become uh, more like Jesus and to be your children and to share the good news to others, Father, who don't know you yet. Right. May this, this story today this, that he shared um, of their lives be a blessing to those listening and to others who will hear it later. Father, uh, we're grateful for the way you work and continue to work with us. Father, we love you. We thank you so for so many things, but we're especially grateful for Jesus. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Our stories of brokenness, struggles, failures, and sin help others know that they are not alone and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines the light back on Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your stories if you're willing to share it. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have a faith story you'd love to share. You can reach out to us at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.